0: Two Geeks, Two Beers Episode 75, Time Bandits
1: Thank you
0: very, 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 very much. Awful people. Well hello and welcome to Can You Believe It? Episode seventy-five of Two Geeks Two Beers with me Tom and my fellow geek in time, Morgan.
2: I can't believe it. Can't believe can't believe we've made it this far. Can't believe anyone's listened this long.
0: (laughs) Well, they might not have done. (laughs) <laughs> we don't know if we've got any listeners
2: <laughs> if you if you have listened all the way from episode one till now let us know podcast at com.
0: thank you um so for this episode i've uh taken another of my favorite films as a kid and it's another 80s gem uh so you know i love uh, my time travel you, you in, do famously in, in fiction obviously uh whether it's like uh <laughs> not in fact <laughs> whether it's lost uh, back to the future muppet christmas carol. Uh I and mean, we we know you love that show doctor who, you know, yeah, love a bit yeah. of time travel. Well, here's another take on the time travel idea. It's uh, Terry Gilliam's 1981 film Time Bandits.
3: Mm.
2: sorry can I can I tell you about where how does time travel feature in the Muppet's Christmas Carol?
0: Well, it's technically the first time time travel was used in a in a fictional uh I think when we mentioned that in the Scrooge episode, it was, you know, because he goes back in time through all his past sales and stuff. Eh, eh. And he goes lo- into the future.
2: I love that you just threw that out there uh, like it's a fact. <laughs> like, the first time that time travel is used in a fictional context. <laughs> no basis for that. Just, just, just having a guess.
0: Uh, one of, anyway. Uh, so ha- have you seen Time Bandits?
2: I have never seen Time Bandits. I know next to nothing about Time Bandits. Is Sean Connery in Time Bandits?
0: He is in Time Bandits. Okay, so
2: scratch that. I know one thing about Time Bandits.
0: (laughs) Well, um, like Clue, uh, this was a film my dad must have just recorded off the telly at some point. Um, And I just loved it as a kid. Just watched it on the VHS over and over and over again. Great characters, great cast, genuinely funny, also quite scary in a way. Um, And like all sort of Terry Gilliam films, it has that kind of certain quirky, cartoony and macabre atmosphere to it. But I feel like it deserves more love and attention compared to his other films because I know that Brazil and Twelve Monkeys are like really particularly loved. Um, but I feel like Town Bandits is is, is underrated in that respect.
2: Probably because it's seen as a bit frothier, right? I'd imagine. Yeah,
0: yeah. I feel like um, yeah, Twelve Monkeys is dark and very miserable throughout. <laughs> you would not you would the...
2: not you would not describe that film as frothy.
0: No. Uh, um, are you a fan of Brazil?
2: I this is showing me up. I don't I
0: don't think I've ever seen it don't think I've ever seen but I, I have to admit, I, I think I've seen it once and can't remember much about it.
2: But, but an- annoyingly, I know how it ends, so
3: ruined. Yeah, all right. No okay. point, no point. Yeah.
0: Then it's time to take a stand.
3: <laughs> to break out of your dumb humdrum life and into Brazil. you're so pleased you can make it.
0: Like right this way. Well, the, fun- the funny thing is, uh, Gilliam has actually referred to Time Bandits as the first in his trilogy of imagination. Did you know this? I didn't know this. So, followed by Brazil in 1985 and ending with the adventures of Baron Munchausen in 1988. Um, all are about the craziness of our awkwardly ordered society and the desire to escape it through whatever means possible. So, all all three films focus on uh, these struggles and the attempts to escape them through imagination. So Time Bandits is through the eyes of a child, Brazil is through the eyes of a man in his thirties, and Munchausen is through the eyes of an elderly man. So it's kind of like spiritual sequels.
3: Yeah,
2: a thematic trilogy,
1: nice. Yeah. Didn't I write the whole thing, then bring you in to get the punctuation right? Isn't yeah. that how it works? Well, you'd got the page numbers basically in position, <laughs> but a- an awful lot of blanks.
3: Uh um, that was it. Uh,
1: <laughs> but you had the title, I do remember that.
3: Title. I
1: think it, was wrong, it probably began with Jabberwocky. I mean, just a collaboration on oh. Jabberwocky, which I didn't write. And then, um, I, I mean, was that the next thing you wanted to do on no, no, Jabberwocky? No, 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 because I was trying to do Brazil. And Dennis O'Brien, who is now our manager after Life O'Brien, said no. And then, out of a kind of frustration, I thought, let's make a movie for the entire family. That's something that worked for everybody. Oh, yeah. Intelligent enough for children and exciting enough for adults, something yes. on yeah, that sort yeah, of form. Yeah
0: um so aside from its cast of uh, dwarf actors in the main character of kevin which i'll go on to later it does feature performances by a brilliant cast so as you say sean connery is in it uh, john cleese Shelley duval ralph richardson uh, catherine helmand ian holm who, again we'll talk about later uh, michael palin peter vaughan and david warner so a really really ah, great
2: cast. You, i'm sold david warner i'm sold love it
0: yeah well you'll particularly love this film then so here's a little trailer to give you a little take on time bandits.
3: The classic is back, so prepare yourself for a different kind of movie. A movie that takes you on a journey through time. Ask me. <laughs> Travel aboard the SS Titanic. Shake hands with Napoleon. Become a personal friend to Robin Hood. You will join us at a real Roman orgy. You'll say hello to ancient Greece and marvel at the size of a young warrior's horn. You will spend an evening with the biggest homo sapien of all time. Did you hear something, dear? No, I don't think so. Finally, a movie that takes you inside. The fabulous World of Darkness. Recognize this fellow. Well, you will when he tries to destroy all good in the universe. Oh no! I'm a reasonable man. Former Beatle George Harrison brings together John Cleese, Sean Connery, Shelley Duvall, Catherine Hellman, Michael Palin, David Warner in a journey more ridiculous than history. Thank you very much. Very, 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 very much. Time Bandits. Awful people.
0: Well, I've got to say, um, I've picked probably the worst trailer I could have done because that's the American trailer of the time. Mm. Um, and it just makes it look like a load of absolute nonsense. It makes it look like it's just a, a really frothy and silly. Mm. Um, and it, it doesn't have that mood at all, the actual film. But uh, anyway, get a little taste.
2: And it stars uh, John Cleese as Robin Hood. Not Robin Hood. Robin, <laughs> Robin Hood.
0: Yeah. And then, and then another gay joke in the middle of that as well which we'll, it was it was we'll the 80s. yeah it was the 80s yeah um so i'll go through the plot as you've not seen it so you have an idea again ruining the film for you yeah, your I, I, didn't I watch it in advance so yeah, yeah.
2: I, I love i love this podcast if only because every episode or every every few episodes you just ruin a film for me just <laughs> just describe the plot slowly in detail <laughs> uh and and make me never want to watch the film so yeah
0: Carry on. So, 11-year-old Kevin has a vivid imagination and is fascinated by history, particularly ancient Greece. However, his parents ignore his activities, having become more obsessed with buying the latest household gadgets to keep up with their neighbours. One night, as Kevin is sleeping, an armoured knight on a horse bursts through out of his wardrobe. Kevin hides as the knight rides off into the forest, where once his bedroom wall was. When Kevin looks back out, the room is back to normal, and he finds one of his photos on a wall very similar to the forest he just saw. Uh, the next night, he gets his satchel with supplies and a Polaroid camera, but a surprise when six dwarves spill out of the wardrobe. Kevin quickly learns the group has stolen a large, worn map and is looking for an exit for- in his room before they are discovered. Uh, Kevin is hesitant to join them until the apparition of a floating, menacing head, also known as the Supreme Being, appears behind them, demanding the return of the map. How, how far into the film are we at this point? <laughs> uh, about five seconds. Blimey. All right. Anyway, uh, here is said moment. Um, and hopefully after that god awful trailer, this gives you a better idea of what the film's like.
2: It's will redeem the film in my eyes. I <laughs> oh, no, no, no. oh, found it. Watch the
1: way out. He's never done that
3: before. Come on, you little <laughs> oh, no, no. Not like that. Wait for me to give the order. Right. Ready. Two, one.
1: <laughs> Stop! Stop! You never start on one. Who ever heard of anybody starting anything on one? What oh, is it then? Two or three? Three. <laughs>
2: Uh, Zordon-esque. There, the uh, <laughs> what's he called? The the supreme being, or something?
0: the supreme being. Yes. Yeah. Um, obviously, after that happens, they land in Italy during the Napoleonic Wars. Um, as they recover, Kevin learns that uh, Randall is the lead dwarf of the group, which also includes Fidget, Strutter, Og, Wally, and Vermin. Vermin. Yeah. <laughs> so Gosh. I loved. I did love all of uh, the dwarves. Um, they each have their own personality, and they kind of. I say they, they shit over Snow White's lot. Um, Randall c- comes across like a, a crooked Dell Boy mixed with a bit of Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Um, uh, Strutter is like the clever one. Wally is the muscle. Og is the dim but dependable one. Fidget is uh, the timid but useful one. And Vermin is the one that sort of eats things and doesn't really provide much. The and line. they
2: don't they don't just shit on Snow White's doors. They no. shit, over, Vermin, they shit
0: Vermin over, would. Sh- but...
2: They shit over them.
0: Yeah. They shit so, over them. Yeah. So... <laughs> It turns out that these dwarves were once employed by the Supreme Being to repair holes in the space-time fabric, but instead they realised the potential to use the map to steal lots of gold and stuff. So with the map and Kevin's help, they visit several locations in space-time and meet figures such as Napoleon Bonaparte and Robin Hood. Robin Hood? Yeah. Robin Hood. (laughs) Um, Napoleon is played uh, brilliantly by the late Sir Ian Holm. Um, So Ian Holm sadly died only a couple of weeks ago as we record this. Mm. Probably the first time I saw him in anything. I I think you could you could say it's potentially the best portrayal of Napoleon I've ever seen anyway Um, how many portrayals of Napoleon have you seen (laughs) good point point. yeah good point Um, but yeah just a good chance to say what a great actor Ian Holm is really Mm.
2: Um, he's better than the guy in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure who's also very good Um, If, if you're talking, if, if good you're point, talking
0: yeah. yeah, good point. I forgot. Yeah, he was really good in that. Yeah. <laughs> he
2: was also. He was also, John, yeah. There's a lot of really strong portrayals from Napo- of Napoleon yeah. out there, um, but Ian Holmes definitely one of the best.
0: I
1: think that the Mayor of Castiglione and his council would like very much to surrender now, please. Look at that! With this city, we have the whole area of Western Lombardy at our feet. Oh, go away. <laughs>
0: And from one brilliant act to another, do you remember when John Cleese used to be funny?
1: Yeah. Good morning, you're you're all, all robbers. Oh, then, the best, I? Mr. Hood. Jolly good, and you're a, you're a robber, are you? Jolly good. Uh, uh, and do you enjoy robbing then? Well, it helps pay the rent, sir. Jolly good. Uh, 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 uh. And you're a robber too, are you? How long have you been a robber? Four foot one. Good Lord! Jolly good! Four foot one? Yes. Well, that, 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 that that, that is is a long time, isn't it? Well, now, I I hear you've made a pretty good haul. Well, see for yourself, sir. I say! "Cracky." I mean, I've been in robbing for years, but I've never seen anything like this. Crumbs! And you you acquired all this by yourself. Well, it was a good day, Mr. Hood. Jolly good
3: day. It's nice, isn't it?
1: Rather. Well, I mean, what can I say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all very, very much indeed. <laughs> oh, don't mean what? Well, I mean it's frightfully kind of you. The are going to be absolutely thrilled uh, have you met them at all Who? the poor the poor oh you must meet them i just know you are like them charming people of course they haven't got two pennies to rub together
3: but then that's because they're poor <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you can get the uh, sort of monty python-esque link obviously with uh, mm-hmm. gilliam at the helm and um, a lot of the pythons involved in the film as well um, so Kevin uses his camera to document their visits. However, they are una- they're unaware that their activities are being monitored by evil, uh, a malevolent being who is able to manipulate reality and is attempting to acquire the map himself so that he can remake the universe to his design. Now, so Tim the, Curry... So, Curry. so the,
2: the, the concept of evil is also a character in this film, separate from the supreme being?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's the devil and God, essentially. But right. The, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, Tim Curry. We we, we went. We, we touched upon in the legend episode, arguably the best devil ever. But I would say the brilliant David Warner is a is very close behind as evil. I know you're a big fan. So let's. Uh, I
2: uh, I I met David Warner once. Uh, oh, yeah. David Warner was in a film called Morgan. Uh, <laughs> okay. And, so
0: you obviously watched it.
2: Yeah. And so I um I, I met him once and he, he signed a book for me and he signed it from one Morgan to another. There you go, nice (laughs) nice nice little bit of David Warner trivia for you.
0: Amazing, that's really cool. Okay, well here is Mr Warner in action. Yes. So,
2: these
1: are the sort of people the Supreme Being allows to steal his map. Look at them, scanty little pros. I wouldn't even trust them to wipe their own noses. No, no sir. It's much too difficult for them. (laughs) What sort of supreme being created such riffraff? Is it not the workings of a complete incompetent?
3: But he created
1: you, evil one. What did you say?
3: Well, he created you, so he can't be totally...
1: talk to me like that again no one created me i am evil evil existed long before good i made myself i cannot be unmade i am all powerful but why if that's the case Are you unable to escape from this fortress? It's a good question. Why have I let the supreme being keep me here in the fortress of ultimate darkness? Because you... look, shut up. I'm speaking rhetorically. Oh, of course. I let him keep me here in order to lull him into a false sense of security. Oh, clever. Uh, clever. When I have the map, I will be free, and the world will be different, because I have understanding. Uh, understanding of what, Master? Of digital watches. And soon I shall have understanding of video cassette recorders and car telephones, and when I have understanding of them, I shall have understanding of computers, and when I have understanding of computers, I shall be the supreme being. God isn't interested in technology. He knows nothing of the potential of the microchip or the silicon revolution. Look how he spends his time, 43 species of parrot, nipples for men, slugs. Slugs? He created slugs. They can't hear, they can't speak, they can't operate machinery. I mean, are we not in the hands of a lunatic?
2: Very strong, very strong portrayal there of, uh, of the ultimate evil. Uh, Tim Curry, as you said, another good one. One of my other favorite portrayals of, of the devil, is uh, is gabriel byrne in, uh, oh, yeah. in in end of days uh mostly just because of the scene in which arnie says to satan you're a fucking choir boy compared to me a choir boy uh <laughs> just for that scene <laughs> alone
0: we should do ranking the devils because you know we've done r- ranking everything else ranking
2: like, ranking the sat satai
0: yeah we we're um, gonna do ranking the g's i were not we <laughs> yeah sort of.
2: maybe maybe for halloween
0: yeah good idea um so through evil's actions, Kevin becomes separated from the group and ends up in Ancient Greece. Now how do I say this? Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you this. Alright. You tell me how I say this out loud. Okay.
2: Agamem- Agamemnon.
0: Agamemnon?
2: Agamemnon. So I didn't
0: I didn't I didn't study ancient Greece, so Have, I you, have, you, know. have
2: you never seen Troy?
0: No. Film <laughs>
2: Troy. <laughs> Did anyone? I oh, wait. Oh, yeah, I
0: saw it. It's okay. Okay. Um, so he, he, Ag- Agamemnon. He ends up meeting King Agamemnon. There you go. Now, after after Kevin inadvertently helps Agamemnon kill an enemy, <laughs> the king adopts him. Now, the king is played brilliantly, and at his peak, I may add, mm. by Sean Connery. There so oh. you go.
2: You can say Agamemnon, but you can't say Poirot.
0: <laughs> Poirot. <laughs>
3: You saved my life. Remember. The enemy of the people is dead. There's King
0: I don't know if that comes across um, over audio as well as it should, but I feel like that was Sean at his charismatic best. Just he just sort of smiles, and you go, "Ah, oh,
2: oh, oh, always that, always." Oh, Always adds a touch of class to a movie, doesn't it? Like when he when yeah. he rocks up at the end of uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, or Robin, yeah. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, I should say. When, <laughs> yeah. he, when he rocks up at the end of that, it's like yes. I always sort of forget he's in it, at the, and then he comes yeah. in. he's like yes, Sean Connery, and I'd say brilliant uh, ancient Greece accent there from uh, from Sir Sean. <laughs> really <laughs> I mean, I mean What did they sound like in ancient Greece? For all and we know, for all we who know, knows? they may they may have sounded like a lazy Scotsman. <laughs>
0: What, what was it in Highlander? He didn't... Didn't he just keep changing accents? Throughout the no, thing he or? was... He
2: he, he he apparently studied uh, the, the Spanish accent. Oh, yeah. Uh, in, order, in order to perfect it for the movie Highlander. Yeah. And yeah,
0: yeah. uh didn't, didn't fucking work at all. <laughs> that was it. Um, but funny thing is, in the original script, King Agamemnon there was introduced go. as... Uh, It said in the script, the warrior took off his helmet, revealing someone that looked exactly like Sean Connery or an actor of equal but cheaper stature. Um, (laughs) And then uh, to to Terry Gilliam's surprise, the script ended up in Connery's hands and he he just wanted to play it. So his agent approached him and said, I'll do it. I'll I'll be well up for this. So I like that.
2: So George Lazenby, out of another job.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Randall and the others soon locate Kevin and abduct him much to his resentment because he was loving life in ancient Greece with Sean Connery as his, as his new dad. Um, and they escaped through another hole, this time arriving on the Titanic, obviously. Um, so there are a couple of times in the film uh, where Michael Palin, who co-wrote the film with Terry Grillian, and Sher- Shelley Duvall appear as frustrated lovers who get interrupted by the time bandits in different time periods. Um, don't have anything to do with the plot, but Palin is brilliant as ever in it.
2: So are they... Are they, they- the, the same people throughout all the different time periods? I don't periods? think
0: so. I think they're just... Maybe they're descendants, maybe that's the whole point. It's sort of like a Cloud it, Atlas. It
2: would be it, would be it would be weird if they're descendants, given that they're lovers in all the different...
0: Yeah, good
1: point. ...in all
2: the different timelines. Yeah. Anyway.
1: Alone at last. Isn't it glorious? Yes. I love the ocean. God, how I, how I love her. She's so... so damn... Wet. Wet, yes. Yeah, so damn damn wet. Pansy. Pansy, look at me. Yes, Vincent. Do you love me? Of course I love you. You don't mind the the thing on the end of my nose? Oh, you mean your Yes, my No, darling. <laughs> don't be silly. <laughs> Could you share a house with a chap who has a thing like this on the end of his nose? Of course, my love. <sighs> Everyone has something Odd about
3: them yes. why well, I've got an
0: enormous so after it sinks they are forced to tread water while they argue with each other until evil manipulates the group and transports them into his realm the time of legends and this is after they survive encounters with ogres and a giant and the ogre is played fantastically by Peter Vaughan um, who ended up in Game of Thrones as the um, uh, Aemon... what's his name Eight a- what was his name? Ah uh, Grandmaster or something. Oh yeah. Don't uh, hang on, I'll Gra- look it up.
2: Gra- Grandmaster Eamon. Fuck it, it is, he doesn't
0: it? want you back. You
2: pledged yeah. your fe- yeah. you pledged your fealty to me, Grandmaster Eamon. Fuck See Grandmaster I- Eamon. Fuck what I said. It don't mean shit now.
0: <laughs> but anyway, uh niche. But yeah, Peter Vaughn, um, again he's one of those people who's just in he was he was just in things mm. for so many years. He never really appreciated how good he was and here he is playing um uh yeah an ogre who they end up on his ship and he he's just just brilliant as this just just disgusting creature essentially so here you go look at these bloody spots it's mm-hmm. a diet that is you'll outgrow them dear
1: all this bloody fish mm-hmm. there used to be a time when you could be sure of catching old boots Cans, attracts, boxes, Now it's prawns all the bloody time.
0: Anti-pollution. What I like about that is that they purposely had him play an ogre, this disgusting uh, bloke, I suppose, but then married to Catherine Hellman, who's just like a normal, like, glamorous woman.
2: Very yeah. much punching above his weight there. Uh, Peter Bourne was also in Brazil, uh, I just, oh, okay. I, I just, found out. and uh, yeah, he did play Grandmaster Eamon in uh, in Game of Thrones, which was his final role before he died in 2016.
0: Yeah. So, Kevin and the dwarves locate the fortress of ultimate darkness and are led to believe that the most fabulous object in the world awaits them, uh, luring them into Evil's trap. Evil takes the map and locks the group in a cage over an apparently bottomless pit. But while looking through the Polaroids he took, Kevin finds one that includes the map, and the group realize there is a hole in the fortress near them. They escape from the cage, steal the map again, and split. Uh, Kevin must distract the pursuers while the others go through the hole. Uh, Evil confronts Kevin and takes the map back from him. The dwarves return with various warriors and fighting machines taken from across time, but Evil has no trouble overpowering them all. So you have this really exciting thing. Again, pointless playing it to over audio, because it would just be music and, and action sequences and stuff, but it was like you know World War Two soldiers, cowboys, gladiators, all wow. sorts, all getting into one scene, taking on uh, Evil. But he keeps coming up with new things to, to kill them all off one by one.
2: You, this is a, this is a sidebar, but you mentioned there are a bottomless pit, and yeah. surely the whole point of a pit is that it has a bottom. Like the, bottom, <laughs> yeah. the, bottom, the bottomless pit is often thrown up as like a terrifying idea, but actually the the the, the, the real impact of the pit comes with the <laughs> fact that you eventually hit the ground. Anyway, carry
0: on. Yeah, yeah. That's, you should tell that. So next next time you're you're st- stuck above up up above one, and someone's put you there. Yeah. Um. So as uh, Kevin and the dwarves cower, evil prepares to unleash his ultimate power, but suddenly he is engulfed in flames and burned into charcoal. Uh, and then from the smoke, a besuited elderly man emerges, revealed to be the supreme being, played by Sir Ralph Richardson. So you could say that was a bit of an anticlimax, but uh, when, I, when I'm looking back at it, it's a bit like, oh yeah.
2: I mean, certainly, certainly the way you delivered it, it sounded like... I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. Sure, it was, I'm sure it was handled better in the actual <laughs> motion picture. <laughs>
0: I mean that whole sequence took up a good half hour 45 minutes uh, action adjun- adjun- um, sequences yeah, really exciting right. stuff but I've just sort of put it down to like a 30 second boring delivery that I always do anyway here's uh here's the supreme being making his entrance
2: great <laughs> <laughs>
1: Having to appear like that really is the most tiresome noisy manifestation. Still, well, they'll of one, I suppose. Get down, get down. Oh great one, O oh, supreme being, O oh. oh, creator of all the universe, without whom we'll be naught but scarab beetles oh, on the d- Dreadful miss. One thing I can't stand it's miss.
0: So he reveals that he actually allows allowed the dwarves in the first place to borrow his map, and the whole adventure have been a test of his creation.
2: Right, because he was, he was annoyed before, so he's, he was just playing with them.
0: Yeah, yeah, so he just right. just bored, I guess, if nothing mm. else. Um, he orders the dwarves to collect all the pieces of concentrated evil, warning uh, that they can be deadly if not contained. He recovers the map and allows the dwarves to rejoin him in his, in his creation duties. The supreme being disappears with the dwarves, leaving Ke- Kevin stranded behind as a missed piece of evil begins to smoulder in the background. Ooh. Time to it's two. It says here that uh, Sir Ralph Richardson took his role so seriously that he submitted his own red ink edits, complete with the message "God wouldn't say that."
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love that Ralph. Ra- I mean, I was gonna say, I love that Ralph thinks he has that insight. If anyone was going to have that insight,
0: yeah, exactly. it would be
2: it would be Ralph. Uh,
0: Kevin awakes in his bedroom to find it filled with smoke. Firefighters break down the door and rescue him as they put out a fire in his house. Right. One of the firemen. So- fo- oh.
2: Uh, was, was was just was this entire film just some sort of fantasy you know, smoke uh, in, wow. in, infused fantasy that was ha- all happening in Kevin's head? Or?
0: Well, you, who knows? But then it says one of the firemen uh, finds that his parents' new toaster oven caused the fire. As Kevin recovers, he finds that one of the firemen resembles Sean Connery, or rather King Ag- Agamemnon. <laughs>
2: He's all like, you you look like Sean Connery. Actually, that other (laughs) bloke also looked a bit like Sean Connery.
0: Um, he discovers that he still has photos from his adventure as well. Ah, okay, okay. And in one of the bleakest endings to a film ever, Kevin's parents discover a smouldering rock in the toaster oven. Recognising it as a piece of evil, he warns them not to touch it, but ignoring him, as they always do, they touch it, and they explode, leaving only their shoes behind. So, uh... Here's an example of yet another sort of film that you know we watched as youngsters mm. and just sort of went with it. But I don't think they'd make it like this anymore, to be honest. But here, yeah.
1: This is what started it. mate. left the Sunday joint cooking all night, didn't we? Sunday joint? It's Thursday. I never touched it. Well, someone put it on. Well, there was no meeting there last night. Oh, well, what do you call this then? Mom!
3: Dad! It's evil! Don't touch it!
2: Hell. It's strong in it. Bit bleak isn't it. And and <laughs> that was like one of those old, you know, public information films. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, no, Jimmy, stay off the train tracks. Like, <laughs> mum dad, don't touch it. It's evil. <laughs> kids, Don't touch pure evil. Also, <laughs> if,
0: if you see pure evil in a toaster, don't touch it.
2: Don't. Come on, kids, don't touch pure evil. <laughs> Just have Alvin Stardust go. Just look at them. Those <laughs> wallys are about to touch some pure evil. <laughs> They must be out of their <laughs> tiny minds. now. Can't click.
0: Uh. Now,
2: why as well, when uh, when his parents are, are obliterated, why does Sean Connery, the fireman, just give him a, a little wink and drive yeah. off? No, no one's like, shit, kid, your parents just blew up.
0: No one said, yeah, I remember watching that as a kid and going, God, imagine if that happened and just no one really helped you out. You're just sort of on your own then. And everyone's like, oh, that happened.
2: But at least he's got some Polaroids of his great adventure, which, uh, by the way, who, was, who who had a Polaroid camera?
0: Uh, Kevin. Kevin.
2: Oh, okay, Kevin, okay, fine, fine,
0: fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because uh, you you were right. Before that happened, you'd think, oh, maybe it's all just in his head. Maybe it's mm-hmm. like a, you know, a metaphor for well, it's, trying it's to escape his abusive parents. And all it, kind of it,
2: stuff. It's got it's got Wizard of Oz vibes, hasn't it? With the yeah. supreme who's then just a man in yeah. a suit. And, uh, and at the end, it's like, you were there and you were there. You were there, Sean Connery, the yeah. fireman, who apparently doesn't care. Yeah. My parents just spontaneously combusted. It's got that whole but, vibe about it.
0: But then he does have the photos and his parents have just died, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Wow,
2: Well, that shows him for thinking it was all a dream. His parents are <laughs> like Oh what, what happens next? He just left there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um I mean that was a very brief run through for the film. I haven't really sold it very well as ever. But uh If know. that was
2: if that was the elevator pitch, I would not have bought it.
0: <laughs> but it gives you a little uh, taste. Um but trust me, it's far better than I'd probably made it <laughs> seem. Um so Craig Warnock played Kevin. Um he is now fifty years old um and that is kind of all he ever did tv and movies wise um,
2: <laughs> that's all he ever did get old yeah
0: um as I, you know in terms of his wikipedia page and IMDb, that is that is it apparently he does still act and is a musician too but that's all that's all i could find in in short space time that i had to research this episode um but he won the role after a wide search for the white the right child actor um an agent had seen his brother and sent the brother to an audition now this is awful Craig just went with him, merely as a coincidence. Uh, and Terry Gilliam took more interest in Craig than his, his brother, noting that he seemed rather intelligent, yet aloof and quiet, as opposed to the stereotypical cute little boy. So imagine if you were the brother. They must have fallen out about that. Yeah. Imagine that. Because the, the brother's the actor. He's the one who wanted the role. He was just there. He was
2: too keen, though. Wasn't aloof enough. That's what I look for yeah. in my in my eight-year-old kids. aloof <laughs>
0: Aloofness. <laughs> say, can't say that. Sounds so dodgy. That's why. I... See, that's what I want in my eight-year-old kids.
2: <laughs> move on, move on.
0: Um, the best character, there in Time Bandits, I'd say, is Randall, played by dwarf actor David Rappaport.
2: got something to say to you, Kevin.
1: Look, you and me, we've got a lot in common. Not like that.
3: No. <laughs>
1: we like a risk. We like adventure. <laughs> well, this is it. This is the big one. (coughs) No namby-pamby time holes here. We risk all. We win everything. Waiter, more champagne. Yes, sir. And plenty of ice.
0: He also appeared in the film The Bride and the TV series L.A. Law, The Wizard, and as a voice in Captain Planet. Um, Sadly, though, he, he struggled with depression later in his life. And in May 1990, he committed suicide by shooting himself um, in California, aged only 38. Um, But yeah, it's a shame we didn't see him in more things because he's genuinely really, really good in this film. Mm. Um, According to Terry Gilliam, though, David Rappaport believed he got his part for his acting ability alone, uh, without size being a contributing factor. Uh, As a result, he didn't socialise with his co-stars. During uh, one scene where there's an invisible barrier and, and the other bandits retaliate against Randall, the actors were apparently expressing their frustration with, uh, with Macapore. They were just chucking stuff at him. <laughs> and that's what it says on IMDb, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I like that as a story. Uh, fidget played by the late Kenny Baker. Um, ah. we all know, we all know Kenny Baker, obviously R2D2 and lots of other things. Although um,
2: you might not recognize him because he's, yeah. <laughs> he's <better.
0: laughs> looks He doesn't look like he does not Star Wars. No, he looks different in Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Um, Malcolm Dixon played Strutter, and sadly, he only died in April this year. Oh. Um, he was also an uncredited Umpalumpa. Loompa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> imagine that being an uncredited Oompa Loompa. Oh,
2: so you just said, sadly, he only died this year. Like, you wished death
0: on him much sooner. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. <laughs> Mike Edmonds played Og. Uh, he also starred in Flash Gordon, The Dark Crystal, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit, who so is very much in demand. And he was also in Return of the Jedi as one of the Ewoks, and uh, the operator for Jabba the Hutt's tail, it says here. So he did lots of stuff, oh. and he's still with us. Um, Jack Pervin played Wally. He returned for Brazil and Baron Munchausen, so very much a, a, a favourite of Terry Gilliam's. And he also played Tebow in Return of the Jedi. Um, he died in 1997, age 60. And finally, Tiny Ross. Tiny Ross, that's a great stage name. He played Vermin, and he died in 1994, age 83. Uh, he was from Truro, from uh, your neck of the woods.
2: My birthplace, in fact. Yeah, there you
0: go. You and Tiny Ross. That's, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Tiny's probably uh, more, more of a celeb than I am. He probably <laughs> outranks out, out me when it comes to Truro celebs.
0: Yeah. Um, so Terry Gilliam first came up with the idea in 1979. He had wanted to do an entire movie from a kid's point of view. The only problem was he felt he needed to give the, the uh, protagonist a group of people of similar height to surround him. Uh, because a kid he felt couldn't carry an entire movie. So um,
2: oh, <laughs> hmm. I have got I've got a kidly character who is who's the same height as a kid. Other kids? No. <laughs> Dwarfed.
0: All right. I, I, he felt he couldn't he couldn't trust one kid or a bunch of kids. Cuz it's so it's hit and miss, isn't it? In film, yeah. you, you know, you've got yeah. a, you, you also, know, also, got
2: to and also if you had a gang of kids, they might start misbehaving and throwing things at each other. <laughs>
0: Um, so he combined those thoughts with the concept of committing crimes while time travelling making it possible to get away with the thievery because it had not happened yet um, so he wrote the screenplay with fellow Monty Python star Michael Palin they worked with their London based independent company which was backed in part by former Beatle George Harrison Right. Yeah, yeah. credited
2: I, I forgot to bring that up earlier they, yeah. during the trailer it slipped yeah. my mind but it was like yeah. George Harrison
3: presents what?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he um, he produced executive produced it along with Dennis O'Brien. Um, essentially just gave them loads of money. He, he, sort of, he even remortgaged one of his properties to do so. Wow. He, he, mean, he when, believed in it.
2: Famously when George Harrison has got his mind set on something he <laughs> will <won. laughs> spend <laughs> yeah. a whole lot of
0: money. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly what he does. Um and in his book about Monty Python, Robert Hewison described the dwarves as representing the different Python troops So, I like this. So the nice one, Fidget, is said to represent Palin. Mm. Uh, the self-appointed leader, Randall, is Cleese. The acerbic one, Strutter, is Eric Idle. The quiet one, Og, is Graham Chapman. The noisy rebel, Wally, is Terry Jones. And the nasty, filth-loving one, Vermin, is Gilliam himself. Uh, in 1996, Terry Gilliam and Charles McKeown collaborated on a script for Time Bandits 2. Bringing back most of the original cast, uh, except David Rappaport and Tony Ross, who had sadly died a few years earlier, and not Kevin uh, parents,
3: who had
2: been uh, yeah. spontaneously combusted.
0: Yeah, Jack Purvis had been paralyzed in a car accident at the time, so his character was written to be in a similar state. But when he died, the project was just shelved because at that point we were like, well, most of the uh, most of the Time Bandits aren't around anymore. So, mm. and you know, probably best we don't bother. And it was that was just it. Didn't didn't bother making it. So. Maybe one day we'll see the script and see what it was all about. And i got to say, unlike a lot of our other films, Time Bandits did receive critical acclaim. Mm, not, uh, even, not even
2: sure we should be talking about it, to be honest. I feel, yeah. I, again, I feel uncomfortable.
0: Um, it holds an 89% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty good. However, it wasn't a massive success. Um, you know, ah. it, it did a, it did all right. It, it you know broke even and did okay, but it wasn't like a huge, massive hit. Um but in 2018, Apple worked with uh, Anonymous Content, Paramount Television, and Media Rights Capital to gain rights for a Time Bandits TV series for Apple TV+, Plus, with uh, Gilliam on board uh, in a non-writing production role, and Taika Waititi as the director of the pilot. Now, uh, it hasn't happened yet, but, you know, that sounds amazing to me. That sounds spot
2: on, yeah. Like a bit of that. And
0: Dark Crystal was, was a big, big success. So um, maybe, maybe this would be a big hit as well. So... I feel like I've not done a very good job in selling Time Bandits to you. I think in future, if either of, of us is doing a film, the other one, I, I'd recommend the other one watching it first. Just no, so I, I much, I, I,
2: I much, I much prefer it this way around where, okay. where, where you badly sell uh, <laughs> an, an all time classic to me. <laughs> um, this, this
0: podcast, this episode in particular, either you haven't seen it, in which case this is just this, uh, I'm not, making it sound shit, uh, or you have seen it and I've, not sold it well enough at all. You're, you're furious that I'm making it sound crap. But, either you
2: know. way, either way, you're angry. Because ah, you're yeah. like, what yeah. is this guy talking about? I don't understand what he's talking about and what I do understand, I don't like. <laughs> or, or you're going, he, he is just m- missold
0: Mur- Murdering it,
2: yeah. Yeah, he has just absolutely murdered this idea. What is he talking about?
0: Well, well having said that, thoughts?
2: <laughs> I mean, those were my thoughts. No. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I love, I love a good, uh, adventure film with a, with a yeah. kid lead. Uh, yeah. Very few of those these days. You still have adventure films for the family, um, but they mostly star The Rock, who's um, <laughs> pretty much the opposite of a child. Uh, if yeah. you were if you were going to evolve uh, an adult male to to you know, the ultimate point of evolution, he would look like The Rock. Um, <laughs> very much the <laughs> opposite of, of a child. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So I, I I love stuff like that, and uh, I, I didn't really realise that's what this was. I thought it was more of a kind of Python esque lark a comedy didn't realize it was more a little more along the lines of those those 80 80s fantasy movies that i like like mm-hmm. dark crystal and labyrinth definitely got the same kind of vibe so despite the fact that you sold it appallingly um <laughs> i might actually have to give give time bandits a go it's got david warner in. i'll watch anything with david yeah. Warner. In. from one I morgan
0: really- from one morgan to another i'll watch it for yeah. david Um, But yeah, it's just of that era. There's nothing else quite like the 80s. We've we've done so many of them in this podcast. But those sort of like... Films which are kind of aimed at kids, Mm. predominantly, but they're not uh, talked down to. And it's quite... um, They're quite serious and dark in their tone and and bad shit happens. Yet there are still funny and um, heartwarming moments in them as well. Um, And yeah, there's just nothing else quite like them. Um, And... I think you could tell from, from the way I've gone through it that it's kind of like a book in that there's just different bits. they are different chapters of like yeah. adventures. So they meet one person, they meet a different creature in a different time zone, and it's great.
2: Which is why, obviously, I guess it lends itself to the TV series format, because yes. every, every episode could be a different jaunt into history.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, that is it. Um, if you want more, I don't know, nonsensical ramblings about time travel and 80s movies... Uh, then head to uh, com, and you can subscribe to us and rate us on wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, all sorts. And also, um, if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode in the past, whether you subscribe to us or not, and you have like-minded friends or family uh, and they have just as great taste as you do, um, then let them know about the podcast. Give them a link to it uh make me pick an episode about that we've tackled in the past about something they love whether it's i don't know doctor who or back to the future all sorts
2: we've we've done enough episodes now that there's got to be something they like in there come on exactly yeah you can also follow us uh across all social media platforms twitter facebook instagram those that's all of them uh <laughs> at, at two geeks cast uh on all of those we're uh, not on tiktok yet not yet not yet give it give it time uh maybe when we're back together um and we're also on youtube you can find some of our earliest episodes uh on there in full if you search two geeks two beers as well as uh clips from some of our more recent outings which again you can send to a friend spread
0: the word um and if you head to patreon.com slash two geeks you'll be able to um support us um by giving us a little bit of money. Um, and, and, that, and, and then by doing that you get some exclusive goodies including uh, a special episode that we have recorded that you can only get there a little bit more and you'll get an episode dedicated to yourself of your own choosing whatever you like no no no,
2: not about you it's not dedicated so you can to you. if you want if you want yeah, about you know it you know, you know what, if you yeah. pay us we'll do whatever you like
0: yeah, yeah. well well steady on but, yeah. <laughs> um, as ever please do get in touch uh, over email for any suggestions or just to say hello it's podcast at two geeks two beers Com. You can
2: either you can either say, "Do you know what? I didn't understand a word of that," or, "John, you know, I've seen the film and I did understand it, but I hated it." <laughs> <laughs> either is fine.
0: Uh, so to play us out. Um, so we mentioned George Harrison earlier.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: he did provide a song for the soundtrack. So in an interview on the Blu-ray release of Time Bandits, uh, Terry Gilliam claimed lyrics to the song "Dream Away." Uh, were Harrison's notes to him concerning Gilliam's behaviour during the production of the film Um, and more specifically the tension that arose between them due to Gilliam's reluctance to include any songs performed by Harrison in the film so essentially George like wanted you know he wanted to do the soundtrack he wanted wanted to do you know, put up the money exactly and apparently Gilliam was like no I'm not fucking putting your fucking songs in the fucking (laughs) film
2: (laughs) he's like I've written this great track My Sweet Supreme Being Uh, (laughs) he's like no I don't want to hear it George
0: um but it's it's um just a great song so it's oh, a great song to end and end today well, with. Uh, so.
2: more for you Terry
0: yeah so this is Dream Away by George Harrison uh so enjoy this and see you next time pals
2: if nothing else we hope you enjoy this
1: centuries. You don't know where you land. It's so dark in
0: mythology. Treasures of history.
2: found uh, a a few classic little bits of uh, IMDB trivia related to uh, the death of Kevin's parents one one, one piece of uh, alleged trivia which is really just an opinion is uh, Kevin's parents demise at the end of the movie is their comeuppance Kevin's parents who are uncaring and neglectful died because they ignored Kevin and didn't listen to him about the toaster oven if they had listened to him they'd still be alive (laughs) <laughs> but also, but oh, also, apparently, executive producer Dennis O'Brien was against the ending of Kevin's parents blowing up, and writer-producer and director Terry Gilliam had to fight to keep it in the movie. O'Brien was only convinced that the violent ending could stay after an advanced screening of the movie was held for an audience <laughs> full of children. The first child was asked what their favourite moment of the movie was, excitedly proclaimed, THE PARENTS BEING BLOWN UP! <laughs> so there you go. I like,
0: I like that they judged that on one kid who was clearly being abused by his parents. <laughs> maybe maybe it was the brother. It was theorist that his, that, his, that his parents let that happen.
2: He snuck back. Yeah, he snuck back in. He was like, "Do you know what? I liked it when the parents blew up." Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> Kevin's brother. Uh.